Hello, everybody. This is Renata Matias and Intermark Relocations podcast. Happy to be back and continue the topic of international education. The school year has already started. However, there are many families preparing their relocation this year. Today, we will get a glimpse of two different educational systems, advanced level, A-level, and international baccalaureate, IB. And we will discuss it with our special guest, the head of admissions of International School of Moscow, Liam Magro. Hello, Mr. Magro. How are you today? Doing very, very well. Thank you very much for having me, Renata. I'm fine. I'm so happy to have this last sunny day in Moscow. Oh, indeed. Indeed. The weather is uh, about about to take its turn. But yes, I'm very very excited about being here today and uh, I look forward to discussing everything. Okay, great. So let's start from the general question. What options are there in Moscow for expats and which schools are typically under consideration? Sure. I mean, in, in Moscow, uh, there's typically three main types of choice that um, uh, we find that our expat families typically choose between. Uh, they are the, the national schools that um, you might find the Korean school or the Japanese school amongst them. They follow their own national programs. The other option is local schools with bilingual programs. These are perhaps less um, for com- for clients who or for parents who's uh, I'd say who are coming with a relocation company it's more for people who are what we call uh, it's probably called expats on a budget in this case mm-hmm. but then the primary area of schools the primary uh, sector that people look at really is the the schools offering either a level or the International Baccalaureate. And these schools in Moscow, there aren't oh so many. Um, I, of course, represent one of the A-level schools, the International School of Moscow. Um, There are a couple of others, the British International School and the English International School that do offer the same program. Otherwise, for the IB, there is, uh, of course, the world-famous Anglo-American School of Moscow. Mm -hmm. And there's also the, the new kid on the block, Brooks. Mm-hmm. They also follow uh, international baccalaureate system, right? So they they have an interesting setup. Um, like many uh, IB schools, um, the IB as a program itself is 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 broken down into several different parts. Uh, the most commonly referred to part when we say IB is actually what's called the IB diploma, and that actually happens only in the last two years of school. Prior to that that period, schools may follow a, a variety of different curricula. So, for when we discuss when we talk about Brooks, for example, they follow the the English national curriculum for the two years prior to the, prior to the IB diploma. So they have a, an interesting switch switcheroo going on with their programs, um, which is a, an interesting take on 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 academic on the academic side of things. I would say. Okay. Yeah, understand. But but of course, the two. So as, as, to sort of con- conclude, I mean, I'd say the two most universally accepted qualifications really are the A level and the IB, um, and they don't typically mix. 
Okay. I understand. So there is no actually school in Moscow would follow both systems, A-level and international baccalaureate. Do I understand it correct that it's quite overloading the, the, the school in this case? Yeah, I mean, you can't do both at the same time. Okay. That's, that's possible. What, what Schools can offer both. Um, but children are obliged to really select one or of the two different pro curricula. Uh, that's because they cover different things or they're structured in, in rather different ways. Um, and that's, that's just, that's just uh, the way it is, really. Um, see, with, with the English national curriculum, what you find is you find this, this process of specialization begins mm -hmm. at, around age, uh, well, it'd be age 13 that you start to make your decisions. So that's what we call year nine or grade eight, the American system. Um, yeah, when you're in year nine, you start to think about making, starting to specialize, starting to select some specific subjects. Uh, these subjects you will then go on to study in year 10 and 11 as what's part of the GCSE program or the, uh, the general, certificate, uh, general secondary certificate of education. Um, this is what you would typically call a high school diploma. But mm -hmm. in, in England, we break, it, we break it down into multiple subjects. Um, and some people, I mean, such as myself, I have 12 GCSEs, so quite a number of subjects that you can, you can do. But many children finish with seven, eight GCSEs. Mm -hmm. uh, and then with these, they will then go on to doing a far fewer number of subjects at A-level, typically four, three or four. So you can see this, this degree of specialization in the fact that children will be, despite selecting fewer and fewer subjects, they're going to dive deeper into the source, into the material of that course, uh, and really get to grips with subjects on a, on a, on a as I say, a much deeper level. The, the difference in contrast with the, the International Baccalaureate is that it's more of a, I'm going to say comprehensive mm -hmm. program, more broad. Um, there are many mandatory subjects including a foreign language and mathematics. So for, uh, they would typically, you typically find that some students, well, most students would study three subjects at what's called HL or higher level and three subjects at SL or standard level. And then there would be another three sort of uh, additional subjects that uh, involve uh, large amounts of, so large essay writing, for example. Uh, there's also elements of more uh, pastoral, uh, more social uh, aspects of the course in another subject. So for the IB, it's more of a broad, a broad uh, perspective on, on secondary education, um, whereas, as I say, the A-level is about specialization. That I think something that's always worth noting that between the two, um, one of them provides a diploma and the other does not. And, mm -hmm. and I think a lot of parents are quite confused by this because, you know, throughout the world, most high school kids, they get a diploma when they finish saying, yes, you've done high school, go on to university yeah. or whatever. Um, with A-level, you don't. What you get is a set of marks. And with these marks, uh, you can then apply to universities. You see, each A-level subject is taken as a separate qualification. Uh, and in that, uh, there is what I would, call, what I would say is, is a significant plus to the fact that you can, you can 
do exceedingly well at one subject and still fail another, and you, that, that failure or that poor mark will not reflect badly upon, on, on the success in the, in the other subject. <laughs> the, the, count, the, the opposite side of that is with the IB that they, uh, all subjects are intertwined, interlinked, and, and um, a, a lower grade in one subject would affect the, the, a higher grade. It will almost pull it down, in a sense, the higher grade from another subject. So that's, that's something that I'd say is one of the major sig- significant differences between the two, the two curricula. I understand. Uh, can we actually say that uh, IB system is more international than A-level? That A-level is, let's say, more UK-centric approach? I think that, that's, a pre- that's a pretty good question. I mean, like... I think it's fair to say that despite the fact that um, despite the fact that IB was, I mean, originally based on the English, American and French systems sort of mm-hmm. thrown into a mixing pot by, by a group of academics back in the 60s, um, I would say it's got a more internationally um, accepted nature to it. It is. It's it's done. It's um, offered at so many schools throughout the world that it is more internationally available as a as a curric- as a program. Um, whereas A levels, I think I think you are right in saying that they are uh, more British, more UK centric. I know that the 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 governing bodies uh, of the ENC, the English National Curriculum, are pushing to to begin a process of internationalization. Um, but of course, I mean, they're very proud of the, stru- of the fact that they have a, a world-leading curriculum and it's actually a state-led curriculum rather than a private curriculum, which is, you know, the IB. Uh, I think they're quite proud of that, to be honest. <laughs> um, but I mean, they, I would say that both of them, in terms of international acceptability, um, are on equal on equal standing. So, my how I typically would phrase it is two different approaches to achieve the same goal, and you just need to really choose what's best for your child. I mean, um, is it better to start earlier, like with the British curriculum? You would start at age two if you're back in the UK, mm-hmm. two, uh, two or three. And then with the IB, you definitely start at three as the earliest. There's some schools not even not even starting before. I mean, what's called uh, pre-K, uh, pre-kindergarten, which would be age four, uh, is a common mm-hmm. starting point uh, for many IB schools. So that, that's a, an interesting difference. But the duration of study is typically the same. Um, mm-hmm. I would say that IB students finish a bit later in many cases, so that they're a little bit older, perhaps more mature, more ready to go into university, whereas a lot of people who take the A-level, they finish a bit earlier, um, they could be you know, just turning 18 when they're, when they're heading off to university, perhaps giving a head start, perhaps too early. It all depends on the individual again. Um, and so I guess it'd be wise to just mention a few factors that, that parents really do, I, I would say should, definitely take into account when looking at the two different programs. Um, A-levels, I'm going to start with A-levels. A-levels, mm-hmm. 
for me would be I'd ask always ask the, the, the following questions of, 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 your, of yourself and your child. Is your child an all-round academic or, or do they more, are they favor a more specific area of study? Do they know what subjects they want to study or what they want to do at university? And even perhaps they have a career path in mind. I know when, when I was at school, I already had a career path in mind, despite it not being precisely where I am today. Um, I had a focus of what I wanted to do and what subjects I was good at and where I specialized in. Uh, and that really allowed me to, to excel in that direction. So I would say that A-levels are for students who, you know, they, they want to specialize early and they be prepared for their university uh, beforehand. So no foundation years required, getting straight into your bachelor's degree sort of, sort of deal. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, it's about students who know where they're going and they can particularly focusing on subjects like uh, engineering because, or, or medicine is another classic example, because you can take specific the subjects to focus and hone your knowledge in the right direction, preparing you for these, these rigorous degrees, the bachelor's degrees at university. Uh, engineering or, or medical students would take physics, chemistry, and biology at uh -huh. A-level, and they would probably drop physics in the end of the first year and focus on chemistry, biology, and maths, perfectly preparing them to, to then get, move into the world of medicine and the studies in medicine. Um, linguists can focus on languages, just like that's what I did, for example. Um, uh, students who are looking at social sciences uh, can do sociology, psychology, these kind of things. Uh, so they can really start to focus down. Um, so I would also like to mention that A-levels typically are better for those universities that require a, an interview as part of the admissions process. So this would include Harvard. This would include Stanford. Um, this would include things like Oxbridge in the UK. Why? Because it's about the special, again, it revotes back to the specialization. A lot of universities love to hear this. They love to hear this in which you've gone into each of these programs. And that, that uh, on, on account of what we've seen as, as a school and what I've seen uh, personally, um, having gone through this curriculum, um, it really does give you a bit of a leg up, I would say. Mm -hmm. The IB, on the other hand, so coming over to the IB, that we just just mm -hmm. A level, coming over to the IB, um, this is really a, a, a fantastic path for students who are not quite sure about where they want to go with their studies, or even if they want to go on to do university at all. The IB is about providing, keeping as many doors open as is possible in the sense that, um, yes, okay, it might not be ideal for getting straight onto the university course you need, and you might need a foundation year if you decide to, say, do engineering or medicine. But at the same time, this allows you to approach a wide range of subjects um, with, I would say, a, a definite open-minded approach, a very flexible approach. Um, <laughs> And it's also good to think about that. Think that you know many um, many of the subjects that you do do are actually inter interrelated, interlinked, and you're able to to uh, it does 
there's a, a very good job of preparing students to go into into fields, um, vocational fields. Um, it, it's also quite good for for future future lawyers. Um, it's on. I would say it's on a par with uh, the A level program for for creating rather gifted future lawyers, as far as um, the data has shown in recent years. Um, which I would say yeah, is quite a significant one, as many many parents are are rather rather. They, they favor the, the legal profession for, for their children, I would say. So well, that, yes, I've, I've been uh, sorry to, um, uh, to stop you here. Yeah, uh, I've been thinking while you were talking yeah. that um, yeah. it sounds understandable, the, the reasons and the, the system, it sounds very understandable. However, I cannot imagine a child two years old who already knows what he's going to do in his future. So definitely it's the parent's choice in the beginning and they have no idea either the child will be specifically interested on something or it's better for him to keep him as long as possible uh, with the general subjects, right? Well, well let, let me, let me put, cut in there. I mean, mm -hmm. what we're talking about when we talk about A-level and the IB is we're talking about the last two years of school. The, I mean, mm -hmm. these are children who are 16 and 17. Uh -huh. um, so these are kids who are already much older. What we're, when you're thinking at age two, of course, the curriculum the curricula, in this case, both of them are actually quite, uh, they're both of them as broad as, as one another. This is why I say it's, it's two different approaches later on, but at the, the early stages, I would say that the only real difference is that the English curriculum has a bit more academic rigor at uh -huh. an earlier age. Like the, um, like typically what I've seen um, is that, you know, IB students will start to learn to write around around age six, seven. Mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas um, maybe, maybe they're you know earlier on due to having learned at home or something like that. But the school doesn't the schools doesn't don't tend to push too far because their thinking is developing in other directions, and that's again perfectly fine. Uh, with the English curriculum, what what we tend to do is we push in the direction of making sure that children could write by the time they're five. So age four, children are reading and writing, um, and, and that's you know that that slight academic. I'm not going to say academic advantage. I think that's a bit too strong a, a phrase, but academic leg up almost is just getting them in the game a little bit earlier on. But I mean, at the end of the day, all all the programs come around to being very similarly based by the time children are about age eleven and they're entering secondary. That's that's grade six or year seven in the English curriculum. So it's the academic rigor. I think that's consistent throughout the majority of the English curriculum, whereas the IB, they have this sort of um, slow, slow build up and then and then a bit more of an oomph when it comes to when it comes to year seven. And they suddenly start to um, to, 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 to turn up the tempo, shall we say? Mm hmm. So, uh, in this case, do I understand correct that they can switch between two systems if there is a need? Sure, sure. I mean, there are there are a few things to consider, of course. Um, mm -hmm. I think that it's worth bearing in mind that you are switching between two curricula that, are, that do have their differences, and there are certain points when best to switch. The first, 
um, would be any time before year seven. That's age 11. Any time before year seven. I mean, okay. it's basically at this point, you, you, you can switch in and out. Um, you will typically find that if you started an IB, switching to um, the English national curriculum, you'll need a bit of extra, you'll need to put in a bit of effort in the initial, initial heart two term, term or two, because you're going to see that academic rigor as being a little bit more intensive. Uh, it's not to say you won't have as much fun, but the academic rigor is definitely more intensive in, in early years in primary uh, in the English national curriculum. Um, the other part, the other times at which you can switch out is when at the end of year nine, that is grade eight, and your children are typically 14 at the end of year nine, uh, and they're, they're about to make their decisions to go into the, the GCSE program that I mentioned before. So they're already starting to, to that specialization. So switching from the IB to, G, to, 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 a, to the English national curriculum here is also perfectly fine and very, very achievable because, of course, children have already started to catch up again academically. And so they're, they're pretty much in the same kind of place. Then finally, the last place that I would recommend any switching between the two programs is at the end of year 11. That is after the two-year GCSE program. This is when kids are already 16, they're young adults, and they, they already know pretty much, a lot of kids already know where they want to go, what they want to be doing, or what they're good at, for example. And so we see a lot of children coming out of IB and into the A-level program because they, they want to focus their education, basically. Um, and, and this this was definitely the case with me, for example. I loved the fact that I could finally drop maths because I was terrible at maths, uh, <laughs> despite, having, despite having fought and fought and gotten myself an A at GCSE, I knew that I wasn't the best mathematician in the world. So I decided to focus primarily on uh, ling languages and um, economics and politics, so more subjects that are in my wheelhouse rather than um, obligatory subjects that perhaps weren't quite my my deal well it's fair enough i think i think we have touched majority of uh, important questions at least the general information it's quite clear for our listeners sure. thank you so much thank you for your answers and thank you for interesting conversation i believe uh, that now we know everything about A-level and IB educational systems and uh, parents will be able to make a decision which, uh, which one of them is more in their spirit and beliefs. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me. And we are always happy to hear you and hope it it's not the last time. Certainly not, certainly not. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, bye. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.